Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Hangover. <laughs> uh, this is Josh Reynolds, and I'm sitting with Megan Hancock. And uh, this, this girl taught with me last night. How was it? It was good. Um, I was definitely out of my comfort zone. Um, and I was nervous, but once I got up there, I... I mean, I, I, I will say that the spirit, like, took over. I, yeah. <laughs> um, I said some things that I hadn't necessarily planned to say. And <laughs> I was like, oh, it was, um, it was good. Better than what I had planned, I will say. Love that. Give us some context. What did we teach for all the people? Because they listen to The Hangover first, and then they go back and listen to the sermon, if The Hangover compels them to listen to the sermon. That's what I've learned. So no pressure, but just give them a snapshot of what they missed last night. Okay, so um, we went through Acts 6 and 7, um, starting with, in Acts 6, the, um, there's division between the Jews and the Gentiles in, in over the fact that the Gentiles are, or no, the Hellenistic Jews, yes, the yeah, yeah. Hellenistic Jews, um, are their widows are being discriminated against in the di distribution of food, and right. so it's um, this racial division essentially. Mm. Um, and so from there, we we had to fix the problem. Right. So um, the people who know that God have called them to preach the gospel, like Megan Hancock. <laughs> Um, they know that if they were to oversee this food program, that, that they would be distracted from doing that job of teaching. Hmm. And so they, um, try to seek out, I can't remember the number of men, it was, uh, try to seek out seven men, um, to basically take over the food program. Um, and one of those men is Stephen. And one was Timon. <laughs> Timon. Um, <laughs> and his friend, <laughs> I definitely said Timon and Puma yeah. just to see who was paying attention. But the answer was Parmenius, which is a yes. way more boring name than Pumbaa. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> okay, but one of the, one of the seven was Stephen. Yes. Um, and it says in a variety of different ways that he's, filled with the Holy Spirit, um, mm. full of God's grace and power. And um, we see that as a result of them choosing these men to run the food program mm. um, so that they can teach, we see God's word being spread um, and just the growth of the Christian faith. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And so that was the the, the joke that I made was, as soon as Stephen and these other men were selected, we moved from uh, don't speak about, about Jesus, no, stop talking about the power of the name. And this was the twist towards martyrdom. Um, because up until now, the apostles had been tossed into the slammer uh, two different times. They've been beaten, and they've been like, hooray, 
They were celebrated that they were worthy to suffer for the name. And now Stephen's going to take that and just launch it into orbit to the negative. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so short version here on Stephen. Um, as I was reading in my study, uh, verse 8, uh, it's Stephen actually performs wonders and signs among the people. So not only was he great at passing out the food and ministering to people as he did so, but he would begin to do things. <laughs> and we don't have any recollection, so if you had to put on your guessing hat, and you know that Stephen is full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and he's full of grace and power performing signs and wonders, and that he's wise from the Spirit as he speaks, verse 10, if you had your guessing hat on, what did he do? I mean, I imagine him healing people, um, doing something similar to what, or things similar to what um, Peter did when he looked at the homeless man and yeah. just looked him in the eye and like gave right. him dignity and then. Um, that <laughs> yeah. dignity drop, I love it. Yeah, I wondered that too. I wondered if this was a. Um, an opportunity for the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 7,000. Um, I wondered if this was a chance for... Uh, the grumbling was against the food, and I wondered if this was a moment for him to multiply food so everyone had enough, and that we were back to no one had need. I wondered if that was the signs and the wonders. He helped take away the need. And I don't know that to be true, but I was, that's what I thought. Hmm. So slander shows up. <laughs> when you read the bad guys showing up, like what goes on in your mind and in your heart? Um, kind of frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um. They keep getting in the way, but I mean, obviously they're not right. in the end because the word of God is still spreading no matter what they do. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah. Who wrote the um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy? J.R. Tolkien. Yeah, Tolkien. He says, he's got a great little quote that says, all stories are ultimately about the fall. Meaning that we have to have the antagonist in order to push the story forward. We have to have something that goes wrong in order to have the narrative that's compelling. All stories are ultimately about the fall. And so we have a secret persuasion uh, about blasphemy, and we have stirred up people, and then we have false witnesses. Um, and Peter's, res or Stephen's response. His face was like the face of an angel. Face like that of an angel. What? What was that? <laughs> Did you study that part? Were you ever considering, with your little quiet voice, were you ever considering <laughs> teaching on that? And what would you say? 
I mean, I when I think of like the face, his face being like the face of an angel, I think I see that as just this peace um, mm-hmm. that came from him, kind of like encountering Jesus, um, and like Moses, like encountering God and and mm-hmm. not being able to contain like the. Um, the feeling or describe that feeling other than having this face like an angel. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to teach on it either. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> because I, I don't know how you... I don't know how you put words into into that. That's a weird one. Okay, so tell me about preparing to teach with me. Like, what was the process like? Because even in this example, the face like that of an angel... I use that as our sermon title, but I didn't even talk about it other than it reminds me of Moses. Um, like, how did you find going? You said you said in your in your talk last night that you read the passage several times, but can you take us through what it's like to prepare to speak in front of peers, especially holding like scripture and saying I want to do this uh, without blasphemy mm-hmm. is that what you said you were in like no heresy <laughs> was that your goal I mean I was hoping <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> see any heresy success, <laughs> yeah. success. Okay. I fact checked her all night guys <laughs> no heresy <laughs> so what's it like um it's hard <laughs> because like, at least I think when I first read the passage, I was not really getting much out of it. Like, and that sounds bad, but I, to be honest, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of just like, like it was just the words on the page, but I wasn't getting much out of it beyond the words. Um, and then Josh encouraged me to like, just keep reading it um and also just talk to other people about what I was processing and kind of get their input um and I basically did that up until Wednesday (laughs) when I was Mm -hmm. like on Wednesday I was finally kind of putting everything together and um if you had to guess how many times had you read it by that point, like five. At least five, yeah. Um, twelve. It was it might have been closer to twelve. Yeah, I was. <laughs> it was a struggle. <laughs> so tell me what it's like to read the same passage. Let's just use a, a fat number seven, a holy number, seven times. What's it like to read the same chunk seven times? What starts to What starts to happen? In your preparation for Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) I think, like, well, when you read scripture, like, repeatedly in, like, the same passage, it, like, it really starts to, like, cut your heart. Um, Mm. Because it's no longer, like, just the head knowledge of the Bible, like I said last night. It really starts to, like 
convict you and um, at the same time um, remind you of the reality of God and his grace and goodness. Um, yeah, I, I feel the same way. <laughs> I feel 100% the same way. Uh, I've read Acts, um, the entire book, probably four times this summer. And then I am try to be two to three weeks ahead, kind of in what's coming, and I try to be writing this week. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a familiarity that gets me past just I know this, especially then when I know I'll speak about it and I have to say something. Um, but I run into that same pain point where I'm, it feels familiar first and head knowledge, but I come alive to it because I, I see my heart, uh, aligning with the antagonist or the protagonist or the spirit is just loud in me. So I think that's fair. Okay, jumping back to text. Word seven, the high priest says, are they true? And, uh, and Stephen says, listen to me. Oof. And then he begins to just drop a sermon. <laughs> what do you think his listeners were doing? Um, how do you think they were listening? No, better question. Time out. How did people listen to you last night? What was it like to look at the room and watch people watch you? Like know that they were with you. What's that like? Um, I mean, it's, it's encouraging to like make eye contact with people and um, in some cases, like, see them nodding and just kind of, like, know that they're on the same page, like, you're actually making sense. <laughs> um, um, but also, like, I don't know, it's kind of, yeah, I would, I would say encouraging because I think I went up there, like, Okay, I really hope this makes sense. I don't know if um, people are going to agree with, agree with what I'm saying, but um, to see people like making eye contact with me and nodding and in your case smiling, <laughs> like it was. I, I told Megan, very... I'm going to be sitting on the front row with the cheesiest grin on my face, <laughs> agreeing with everything you say. You cannot say a bad word. I've already read what you wrote, so I knew how good it was. <laughs> Was my was my smile distracting? <laughs> no, it was, oh, good. it was good. All right. I appreciate it. <laughs> I had the cat that caught the canary look on my face the whole night. I got a, actually a good feedback from um, a red-haired drummer who will rename Nameless. Um, and she said, Josh, I love watching you watch your students teach. And... Um, yeah, she said that uh, two weeks ago, um, when I was just I was just celebrating 
And even last night, I just, I thought of her as I was watching you going, this is the best. Because I knew the room was with you and I know what that feels like. And I was thrilled. Felt good though. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, what do you think the people listening to Stephen's speech, his sermon, were thinking, feeling, doing? I kind of imagine them rolling their eyes because they—I mean—they know the law and they know it. Yeah. Um, I mean. Like, okay, we've heard this before. Um, where are you going with this? Um, right. I think that's the right question. Where are you going with this? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Sadly, they probably just think he's wasting their time. Mm-hmm. And they're just probably plotting a way to silence him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the twist. Um, yeah, the twist on the Moses. Uh, I really liked that you said, you, you reminded us that Stephen is in front of the Sanhedrin, predominantly the Sadducees there, who, who strictly hold to the Torah. They strictly hold to Moses' law. And you reminded us of that idea. And so 25... Moses thought that his own people would realize God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. I wonder if the listeners are still on that wah-wah train, Uh, Charlie Brown's mom, (laughs) or teacher, Charlie Brown's teacher. (laughs) I don't know, maybe his mom sounds the same way to him. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I wonder that, or I wonder if he was just like, he dropped that in and they went, wonder thing. But again, he, he didn't, looking at my Bible colors, like nothing terribly like went, went wrong. Um, yeah, until Sinai. I didn't teach on that. I would have loved to. That's one of the pieces that got chopped. Um, do you know the Sinai story? Somewhat. Somewhat, yeah. <laughs> so there's this reference in uh, in 40, or 39. So I taught on 39. Our ancestors, I made a big deal that Stephen saw himself in this story. He said, our ancestors. But uh, they refused to obey. And so they rejected Moses in their hearts and turned back to Egypt. And so they say, may God's for us. Oh. Oh, so good. And then just chaos ensues. But after that, when you read my Bible, like the red, which means like the overt rejection and sin of the people, it just shows up everywhere. From there on out, uh, rejecting him and turning in their hearts. That's the point where it set you up for your teaching idea, which was Stephen's heart was, was different. And we had to reconcile it so take us through how you came up with your teaching point of reconciling Stephen's accusational heart with his forgive them heart. 
that shows up in verse 60. Yeah. Um, I think, like, having read this passage in the past, I, when I think of Stephen, I really only think of him as he's being stoned, saying, don't charge him with this sin. Mm. And so then when I was going through, um, like, starting in verse 51, and I... I, I wasn't used to seeing Stephen being so accusatory, and yeah, um, I like to say he had the bony finger of a prophet, and he was pointing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess I was kind of confused because I was like, well, how can he go from accusing them to then forgiving them at yeah there was tension there um it almost feels like in your in your hesitancy is that those are mutually exclusive yeah but they're not right and that's the aha right i really loved your clarity though so your teaching point was focus Mm -hmm. from that yeah, so Stephen's focus was knowing um, that Jesus was his Savior, that he was the Messiah, um, that he was the Messiah that the um, Sanhedrin also had been waiting for, but they just didn't see it. Yeah. Um, and so knowing that, knowing that he was only redeemed because of the Savior, and they could only be redeemed because of the Savior. It was from that place that he was able to accuse them and kind of call them out in their sin as a way of really, like, trying to say, hey, don't, don't you get it? Like, you are, you are still sinning by continuing to try to live up to the standard of the law, right. and you don't see that Jesus is the Messiah that you, you've been waiting for and you're still waiting for. Mm-hmm. So why did you not teach on eight one? <laughs> um. Because so and that point right so eight one says this Saul approved of their killing. Um, meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. That eight fifty eight and that or seven fifty eight and eight one. What is the the Pharisee of all Pharisees? The one who kept the written law, the oral law, perfectly. He says, I have done it. And even as he grows older, he says, and even in my keeping it perfectly, I, I knew I had not. I knew I could not. Um, that was a tease. Why didn't you keep teaching? Uh, but I love that. I love the... The answer, um, I love the, not the answer, I love the embedded character of Saul in the story. And especially when you're talking about focus, think of the difference in perspective. Saul, Saul is looking down, approving of, of violence in order to, um, I don't know, obtain the security of the, of the law. Um, because if this man is blasphemed against the temple, then therefore, 
uh, or if he has spoken against the, the one who is to come, the Messiah. Like, of course, we should stone him. That's what Deuteronomy says. And so he thinks in focusing like he's doing it perfectly, whereas Stephen was on the ground looking up. Mm-hmm. And just the intent of the gaze was completely different. Yeah, I, I really love that teaching idea, though, that the focus is what makes it different. It's so good. Yeah. Okay, so uh, it's like been 12 or 14 minutes of the, of the Hangover podcast. It goes so fast. Yeah. Do you want the final word here? Um, <laughs> thanks for pushing me to talk <laughs> because I needed it. <laughs> uh, it's good. Okay, so hopefully those who only listen to The Hangover will now know that you need to go listen to the sermon. My entire work of this sermon was to set up the antagonist so that way... The stage was set for Jesus to show up through the mouth of Stephen, through the mouth of Megan, and she killed it. So, yeah, thankful to her, and uh, thankful to you guys for listening. So if you have questions, josh at csfinia.org, and you can find Megan at? Um, (laughs) My Instagram. You can find her on all of her social medias. Yeah. What's your Instagram it's handle again? Megan.r.hancock. Boom. Yep. At Instagram.com. All right. There we go. That's the good stuff. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate <laughs> Thanks, guys. you guys listening. Have a great day.